It's Thursday, September 12th, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 267. Jeremy just swears a whole lot. Runtime for this episode is 55 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the awkward middle child of the last podcast's family. My name is Jeremy. I don't have a bridge to stand on. I'm Tyler. What was that? That was nothing. That was nothing. Continue. I'm pretty sure Last Time on Video Games is the big brother of all the Last Time on Video Games podcasts because it's the oldest one. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm still playing the game. (laughs) Zach didn't say his name also, so... And you yeah. Yeah, activated I, his trap card. I thought I could get away with it. My name is Zach. If it weren't for these pesky moderators. It's, well, it's been a while since I tried that. It has, actually. You're right. You Kevin's almost... here, too. Yes. What? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kevin's I, playing Tokitori right now. I am. Also, Zach, clearly Gundam is the big brother that was lost and, you know, had to return to reclaim the throne. <laughs> It was the prodigal son. I mean, to be fair, it was sitting literally for three years in a cave. Yeah, but we were recording last time and releasing last time before Gundam was even a gleam in Jeremy's eye. I mean, you say that. Gundam was a gleam in my eye for a long time, You Jack. say that, um, yeah. Last time wasn't even supposed to be a podcast, is the problem. Last time was supposed to be a transposition of a text conversation that Jeremy and I were having about video games. That no one would read, but that would have been fine. Yeah, that would have been fine. And then I'm like, well, it would be easier to just talk about this. I'm like, well, as long as we have the audio, we might as well just like edit it and put it on the internet. And now we've been doing that for eight years. 267 episodes. Not eight years. Yeah, this has been about eight years. It has been. How long have you been married, Tyler? Um, six. Okay, we recorded the first episode like right before you got married. So. Okay. I think I got married in 2013. So it's actually been like six and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and Jumpstart Weekly is the youngest brother that no one uh, pays attention to, so it can do whatever it wants. It can marry a commoner girl. It's fine. It can <laughs> fall in love. It's the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> what have you been playing? Actually, let's start with Kevin. Kevin, what have you been playing when you weren't playing Tokitori just now? So I've been playing Bait and Kaitos, uh, Eternal Wings in the Lost Ocean, which is an extremely old, not extremely old, but an old GameCube game that I have to emulate because my GameCube is broken. I always wanted to play that back when a GameCube was the popular console to have. How are you liking it? Played it what before. alternate timeline were you yeah, in? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really curious. <laughs> I mean, it was a good Smash Bros. machine, and it had the Zelda and a Mario. It had Fantasy Star. Yes, it did. I owned a GameCube so and was I. considering playing this game. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So the battle system is just extremely weird, but like a, it is a fun kind of weird. That's partially why I wanted in yep. on it. The story is actually like, I actually like the RPG elements of it. Um, but the, the main thing is that it's a card based system where you have a deck of cards that you can build and customize. Certain ones are attacks, but instead of playing the cards like you would in a card game, that's how you build your combos. So you have like swords, spells, armor, items, stuff like that. When you start off, you have a hand of like three. Later on in the game, you have a hand of like seven cards and you can select cards. The higher level you get, the more cards you can play in a combo. And one of the interesting things is that damage is calculated at the end of the attack chain. So even when you're defending against attacks, it's not, oh, I blocked the third attack and that one is the one that dealt fire damage. 
So if I block it with my water shield, I, that's how I block it. Just everything is calculated at the end of the combo. They have six elements, fire and water, uh, light and darkness, and wind and chrono. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, the opposite... elements, yeah. wind and time! <laughs> they are polar opposites. So water and fire cancel each other out. Light and dark cancel each other out. And, you know, the total opposites, wind and time. So, like, if you do 20 fire damage and 13 water damage, you will only do six, or seven fire damage because they just cancel each other out. The other really cool thing about the cards is that they change over time. So, like, you start off the game with bamboo shoots, which you can eat to regain health. But later on, they become young bamboo, and you throw them, like, spears so that they do damage. That's awesome! Yeah, and you you have stuff like, uh, you start off with green bananas, which have a small attack. They turn into bananas, which heal you. Then they turn it into uh, rotten bananas, which, again, deal damage. <laughs> you can do stuff like combine different cards in a combo in order to make stuff. Like, you can take uh, helmet, rice water and fire to make cooked rice in your helmet in your helmet <laughs> like i said another one of the things i like is the artwork uh most of the backgrounds for the game are like paintings and even though it's a game from like the early 2000s on the gamecube they still look really cool because of the the stylistic choices they made with the backgrounds the character models still look a little wonky because they're old. Yeah, they're, they're uh, pretty much a standard 3D yeah, character model. Yeah, right? but the the backgrounds are really sweet because they, they look like paintings. So that was one of the things that drew me. I was like, oh, this looks really cool. And then the battle system is cool. So I've been working my way through that. Initially, I wanted to rip a bunch of the audio files off of it. So I was like, yeah, I'll use my emulator to crack the ISO. That didn't work because none of the files are like organized properly. So... I'm going to have to play through the game and just rip them that way. Yeah, Mewtwo's in them for some reason, even though he's not in the game. Yep. Anything else, Kevin? <laughs> no, basically just that, and I've been painting a lot of Warhammer miniatures. I should be doing that, but I'm not. Zach, what have you been doing when you should be painting Warhammer miniatures? I need to build my Librarian <laughs> Dreadnought first. I've been playing, I've played a lot more Fire Emblem. I put it on pause when I was midway through the second playthrough of it. Turned out last time we recorded, I was like a level away from beating the game. That sounds about right. I still really enjoy it. I recruited like almost everybody I could for the second playthrough, which is actually a little bit different. But after that, I picked up the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh game for the Switch. I keep thinking about doing that because I like a Yu-Gi-Oh. I want to XYZ summon a pendulum magician. Which one is it? What's what's the subtitle? It might just... Uh, Duel Link, Duelist Evolution Link Switch. No, Link rem- is not in there because it's not a Duel Link. Yes, yeah, it's not Duel Link. But right? it is something similar to like okay. title wise, yeah, yeah. It, it, you play through like so far. I've just played through the original Yu-Gi-Oh because you play through all of them, like fighting all the major duels that are in that. And then once you've done that, you can reverse them and play through on the other side of the people who didn't win because that's what you play. You always oh, play so the, Weevil the can finally do that stupid insect princess combo and win. Yes, but when I was playing through it, I was playing through it with just my deck, the one that I was building instead of the actual like. Uh, in-game characters deck. Oh, so you're not doing Hoppy Lady! <laughs> no, the second deck I was planning on building, though, was comes out of the GX character Alexis Rhodes packs, but the one that I've been using is all Red red Eyes Dragon stuff. Or so Red Eyes stuff, specifically. So he's got, like, Red Eyes Black Chick, Red Eyes Archfiend of Lightning, Red Eyes Meteor Dragon, Red Eyes, red eyes Bad Black Flight Dragon, which is nasty. Red yeah, Eyes it, Wyvern. It, it's, it's a fun game. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh! But or not a lot, but I played a bit of uh, MechWare online. I played with the Taw guys again. Uh, the VODs aren't up for the last week, but like I was a one-man wrecking crew for a couple of the games. I ended up getting like 
over the span of like four or five games, I had like 13, 14 kills and died exactly once at the very end. That's a pretty good spread. Yeah, I mean, I did really well with the mech that would absolutely be terrible on the tabletop because of a lot of reasons, but part of them is the fact that it's an assault mech armed primarily with heavy machine guns and a pair of mismatched MRM launchers. Yeah, that sounds bad. Sounds like the slaughter dagger we keep hearing about on the Discord. Yeah. (laughs) I actually ran across that where we were trying to find the designation of one of the daggers at some point. I'm like, this thing looks edgy as shit. <laughs> that sounds really fun, though. I get, um, we have to edit that word on this podcast. We do. That's, That's why uh, it's the awkward middle child. <laughs> I mean, it works really well in that game, but for MechWare, like, Battletech tabletop, it's too slow to get into range to use the heavy machine guns, because they have a range of 1-2. They don't have a long range, so it has to be Which right next to somebody. Some amount of sense, I guess. I and feel like they're mostly anti-infantry. Mostly, yeah. Um, and then MR or any kind of ammunition-based weapon in tabletop has its own ammo bin. So MRM-40 and MRM-30 can't draw from the same bin. I'm good. Don't they fire the same type of missiles, though? Yes, but on the tabletop, each one has a different, like, associated ammunition because of the fact that it's easier for math purposes. Because it's just labeled by how many shots they get. That's fair. But if you had two 40s, they could share. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, for most of them, they all have the same amount of ammunition for each like launcher, if you do the math, except for the SRMs. For the two and the four, the SRMs have a, a hundred missiles. So the two has 50 shots. The four has 25 shots. The six has 15. Okay. I, that makes it, sense, it, I it's, guess. It's just a weird little thing about it. So that's still a fun game. Like, it still seems like it's holding fine, despite the whole thing with MechWarrior 5 and a lot of people declaring, I'm going to quit playing MechWarrior Online and not have anything to do with PGI anymore because of reasons. Um, but after that, I picked up World of Warships, and I'm actually really enjoying that. You've been threatening to for a while. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I just unlocked a battleship, the South Carolina. I've been playing the Japanese, Americans, and Germans when I play through them. And uh, it was weird going from the uh, heavy cruiser to a battleship because I stopped having like 14 guns and had four that take a lot longer to reload. But the battleship has a smaller like second or has a bunch of secondary armament that you don't control. Gotcha. So they all do, but the battleship is a lot bigger because it's a battleship. It's weird driving that one because like instead of like holding down W to move forward, you press the button and it will up your speed by notches. So it's like quarter speed, half speed, three quarters full. And gotcha. then there's full reverse. It's weird that they don't have the same, me- because that's how boats work. Yeah, I mean, that's, so. how, they, that's how they work. It's and weird that you refer to it as driving a boat. Well, I mean, I, yeah. what, what verb would you use? Well, it doesn't have I a don't sail. have any sails. I know, but still. Um, um, I prefer commandeering a boat. Well, yeah, but that's just the act of taking it over. Yes. Doesn't Pirating. that make it go? Pirating a boat. <laughs> no. That's um, when you download it on BitTorrent. I would download a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I would download a gunboat. Like, to turn, it's the same. It's kind of the same thing. It's weird, because, like, instead of using A and D, which you can, I've taken to using the Q and W, or Q, Q and e, e, which actually switches the rudder from zero to half in that direction, or full in that direction, so you can make what is effectively a, as tight a turn as you can. Which, I mean, it's a boat. It doesn't move very fast. Yep. It doesn't turn very quickly. But, like, I think the game's fun. It's it, it, I've only been playing against bots because I kind of suck. But torpedoes are nasty, which su- should surprise exactly nobody. Yeah, so that, that's true. 
Yes. <laughs> it just reminds me of the Soviet Womble bit where uh, it's Womble talking about when he started playing World Warships and... No, that's Cyanide. Is it Cyanide? He, Cyanide oh, yeah. and him are, are talking and... Uh, so Cyanide's playing with his buddy and he, what he didn't realize was that he was playing against bots. So like he started off and he's like, I got five kills, which is huge in that game. Like that's really good. And then I went into a game and found out that I've been playing bots the whole time. I got my ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. So they're set up in like tiers. So as you get more and more advanced, as the, as the ships get more advanced, you actually advance in tiers. So like things get more and more like in theory, the players get more skilled. Um, and I've also been, the boats are more complicated. And all more powerful, I think. I don't know if they get more complicated from a player standpoint. I've been working on getting myself a bat or an aircraft carrier. Like I said, they're sorted by the different nationalities. I think only the British, Americans, and Japanese have aircraft carriers. The Germans don't. The Russians don't. I know that for certain. But there's also the French and the Italians, and I don't think either of them have them. There are a couple of other like smaller factions. Well, I was going to say, we don't have the Spanish, and they were excellent late 1700s Armada? No, because it's strictly Warships. like... Um, they were ships war of war. They were, man- they were mans of war. Everything post-dates 1900. Okay. So that does not surprise me in the slightest, if, but... The four categories are the kind of the obvious ones at that point. Battleship, cruiser, destroyer, and aircraft carrier. Um, no submarines? No, no submarines. Uh, destroyers are not, are really easy to kill, but they're really, really dangerous because they fire torpedoes. Cruisers are like the middle ground. And then battleships are, I fire every 30 seconds, but if I hit you, you better start praying or start running for the dinghies. And Do then I haven't gotten the chance to play an aircraft carrier. Okay. I was going to ask if uh, ships take, or I guess planes take off of them and like act like drones. I, from what I've you. heard from Russian Badger, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to try it, is they used to work purely like an air, like a uh, point-and-click adventure game, where you like you sent out your your aircraft and they went and did stuff. But like now you can actually control them. But again, <laughs> I haven't played them yet. Your fighter plane has encountered a Gru. <laughs> so they are the uh, the uh, artillery of World of Warships. Well. I mean, the battleship cannons are the artillery of World of Warships. No, I just mean the, the point-and-click adventure where when you're playing artillery, you do not actually look at the game. You just have the map pulled up and people are telling you where to fire. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I haven't played them yet, so I don't know. I've tried the battleship a couple of times, which the one I have is the South Carolina. Are they different in any way? They're more powerful because like, it's each class of, of them. So like the next battleship I would have is the Wyoming. For the American side, at least. Colorado's buried in there, too. But it's like a beefier battleship. Yeah, it's like, it's like a more advanced battleship gotcha. or more powerful battleship. And the same with the other ones. Although, like, I think what it started on is, like, I think the first couple of cruisers were light cruisers. And then I'm into the area where it's starting to give me heavy cruisers if I want to use them. So I get a lot more guns. But it's it's definitely different booting them up and you, see all, you can see all of, like, where your gun emplacements are. And at least in one of them, they were really awkward because there were like three guns in the front and then one gun in the back for one of the cruisers. And it was like, there is like no guns on this. But I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's it's definitely a different experience to other things because of the way, largely because of the way ships control. But I'd recommend it. I mean, it's a free to play game, so you can always try it. If you don't like it, you can get rid of it. And I love me some naval combat. Naval combat's fun, especially like firing and having to figure out where the leading part is, so you see where the splash lands. That's to then try and reorient where you're actually shooting. Then you can usop it. I've had some fun with uh, tabletop naval combat. Anything else, Zach? No, I do need to build, finish building my marines, but 
we'll get there eventually, and then we'll have the opportunity to watch you kick my ass. What have you been playing, Tyler? That's a very good question. I don't know. I was on vacation last week uh, where I was in a forest with no internet connection. And that doesn't sound like vacation. That sounds like hell. It was so nice. I did not worry about literally anything for an entire week except where is my food coming from. Coincidentally, I think I could go be a hunter-gatherer for about two to three years and be all right with that. That sounds like how I live my everyday life. I you would have to grow a beard. Yeah, I was working on it. I, I spent a surprising amount of my time walking and going fishing and then coming back and cooking. Um, And that was like the vast majority of my time. I'm like, this isn't too bad. If I got a sustainable system set up, I could occasionally also read a book or something. I've mostly continued my trend of like bouncing really hard off of games. I just have not been able to sink my teeth into anything. I was into Breath of the Wild again for a bit, but I got to the point where I'm just kind of mopping up all the side quests, uh, specifically the DLC side quests. So I've kind of not been playing that because I don't really want to go do that, but I feel like I should before I finish the game. I have been getting much more into Tales of Berseria. It's a good game. It's a good game. My one problem, and I'm hoping the answer to this question is yes, is uh, does Velvet ever get like less edgelord? Because currently it's like... What if all your fun, quirky characters from Zestiria were all edgelords? She does get a bit better, like, as she is spending more and more time with the rest of the crew. Do you have all of them yet? Um, I currently, I think, have a party of four. And also, Maggie Lou's following me around. Okay, I think you're missing one more character. I have definitely not Laffy set. All of his equipment is like, this is Laffy set's hat. No, it's unnamed child number two. This is Laffy set's second hairstyle. Do you have the human? The regular ass human. No, yes. I do not believe I have a regular ass human. Okay. Then, yeah, you're still missing at least one character. Okay. He's a human. Maybe. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have four people right now in my combat party. I'm trying to remember who they all are. I don't no, even. It's one of them is the, bo- the pirate boxer dude. Oh, it's... that guy. Yeah. No, I've got that. I've got that Seraph who is actually. What do they call him in this? Malak's. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, now I've got that one pirate Moloch guy. That was my fourth party member. He's like, I punch things real good. I couldn't remember his name. I can't remember any other names other than Velvet, to be honest. So, I don't know. Bizarre is fun. I really like the Modern Tales games. This is very clearly the exact same... Like, it's the exact same game engine that Zestiria is built on. And I'm okay with that because Zestiria was a lot of fun. What else have I been playing? I've been playing a lot of Celeste because I was having a really hard time picking a game. I'm like, I want something a bit more fast-paced. And everyone said, Celeste is a great game about dealing with anxiety and depression and stuff. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. And then it started kicking my ass. I'm like, this game is frustrating, but also very calming in its frustration. So why are you climbing a mountain? To eat the strawberries, to hug the strawberries, and also do those damn B-sides. None of us have played Celeste. Yes. No, but I've seen a lot of video essays on it. And I'm like, I should play Celeste. It's clearly great. It's, I don't care. If you <laughs> like very difficult platformers, it's great. If you like hipsters from Seattle being joke <laughs> characters, also great. Mostly it's like if you liked yourself a meat boy or something similar, it's like that, but like with a friendlier aesthetic. The controls seem hella tight and I like an air dash is basically what it is. Yeah, and you got both of those things and it does it really well. And every level has like a gimmicky mechanic. Calling it gimmicky is a little harsh, maybe? It's just, like, every level has its own unique mechanic that you have to master. And I did not realize it. So, like, every world has a crystal heart that you can go find. It's just, like, one of the hidden collectibles. I did not realize how good a job the game was doing with difficulty progression until I went back and tried to go get the crystal heart for the first world after I had beaten the fourth world. I'm like, 
holy crap damn all these challenges are easy by comparison to everything I just did. So that's kind of cool. I didn't even realize how much harder it was getting as I was playing. Well, that's so, nice. Yeah, no, it, it did a really good job with that because there's never like a difficulty cliff. You're just getting slowly better at the game as you go. That's pretty much all I've been playing, except Teppin. I've mentioned Teppin before, right? It's, yep. ma- it's real we'll time. I always ask if you have. When yep. you yep. Yeah, that's because I don't feel like I ever have anything substantive to say about it, so I can't remember if I've ever talked about it. It's fun. I've got a really good X deck. Also, I've got a workable Jill Valentine deck now, so she has rocket launchers and is a member of stars. <laughs> gotta work on that Cami deck. Gotta work on them thighs. Yeah. <laughs> The two Street Fighter characters who are represented as playable characters. There are cards for almost everyone. Lots of Street Fighter 3 rep, weirdly. Who do you think the two playable Street Fighter characters are? Ryu and Chun-Li. Yeah, it's Ryu and Chun-Li. Yeah, it's... <laughs> That's what I would have guessed, too. Yep. Really? Not like anyone else? No. No? Okay. I mean, I definitely would have guessed Chun-Li. Yeah. There's lots of Zangief cards, <laughs> so... I like a Zangief. He's the Red Cyclone. There's also a surprising amount of, bu- of Ibuki. She's, like, very, very deadly. I like Ibuki a lot, too. Me too. She was my main in three. Anyway, that's all I've been doing. Jeremy, what have you been doing? You're the last one. I am, and I did it. I finished Kingdom Hearts. Oh, Congratulations. wow. Yeah, hi- wait, high five. You did that whole thing. That was quite I, a project. I did. It only took me eight months to play ten video games. Which I guess, actually, when I put it like that, sounds like it's a reasonable time. It you is, know, one yeah. of them's two and a half hours, and one of them's a mobile game I didn't actually play. But some of them are like... multi-deca hours. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 2 is the long one, and I nearly 100%ed that. Kingdom Hearts 3, I think, is really good. There's definitely debate about that. It's a game where I was completely in love with it when I started playing it, Uh, and when it was over, I really liked the ending and had it felt like it was a really good use of my time, but there was a stretch in the middle where I was hanging out with Sully and Mike Wazowski and was (laughs) wondering why, and then I had to do the Frozen level. Yeah, I've heard the Frozen level is easily the weakest part. Have you watched the map, Pat? Yeah. Yeah, he, on that? I watched it later, and I was like, oh, all my thoughts on this have already been said very succinctly by Matt Pat. I guess I don't need to go into them on the podcast. And then I did the Pirates of the Caribbean world, and I don't even know what that is. <laughs> hmm. I feel like that should be one of the stronger ones, it honestly. Kind of, it, okay, it kind of is. It starts out with, it's Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is the thing it's based on so it starts out with you in the weird desert purgatory chasing the black pearl with jack sparrow then you do this cool like uh very kind of gimmicky mini gamey thing where you have to ride a you have to commandeer a flying heartless and ride it around some battleships that are doing a ship combat while you're like dive bombing them or something or yeah okay then you get do an underwater section that's bad because it's an underwater section in a video game it is where you get the Ariel summon, so Little Mermaid reps there, but... Is she a summon in this? Yeah. Then you go to Port Royal and have to find 500 crabs, and no <laughs> one knows why that card is in the game. Everybody's confused. Uh, meanwhile, the plot of Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is going on in the background, thankfully, because otherwise you'd have to deal with the plot of Pirates of the Caribbean 3. And then it's revealed that the Jack Sparrow that's been with you the whole time was just a bunch of crabs. <laughs> Because he was off doing Pirates of the Caribbean three, and this sounds really stupid, <laughs> even for Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and then they're like, "Hey, uh, Ubisoft doesn't want to make Assassin's Creed four too, so we put it in Kingdom Hearts." There you go. And you're like, "What?" And then you play Assassin's Creed four for about an hour and go do the climax of Pirates of the Caribbean three. So how do they? Okay, okay, let's go back a set because the crabs got me. How is he made of crabs? 
Um, so you know the character in Pirates of the Caribbean 3 who's the goddess of the sea? You probably don't because it's not an important part to... Vaguely, yeah, it's been a bit. She's locked in a human body, so she wants Sora to unlock her. Okay. So she sends spirit Jack Sparrow man out of crabs to guide him. But how are they made out of crabs in a like convincing facsimile? No, like, they they are Jack Sparrow until they're like, now my home planet needs me, Sora. And Sora's like, what the f***? And then he turns into a stack of crabs. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's so dumb. They should have sent a poet. Well, I mean, that kind of happens in the movie, right? She like disintegrates into a bunch of sea creatures. Yeah, yeah. It's so that's basically that. what it was. They were instead of oh, they were just a facsimile of Jack Sparrow pr- or a uh, stack of crabs. It was like I got this stack of crabs and put it into illusion body of Jack Sparrow to puppet it around. Yeah, I really just want a stack of crabs in a trench coat, though. <laughs> Basically. Oh, and man. then whenever you go back to the Pirates of the Caribbean world, if you go back for side quests or whatever, occasionally Goofy will just act, are you the real Jack Sparrow or just a bunch of crabs? And this Jack Sparrow imitator will be like, what the hell are you talking about, mate? Sorry, are you the- just a bunch of crabs? <laughs> yeah, your Goofy is much better than mine. The bunch of crabs in a trench coat just reminded me of the fan D&D class of three halflings in a trench coat. Yep. That I saw somebody made them. like, I kind of want to play that because that sounds hilarious. Alex's sister did three gnomes in a trench coat uh, that collectively went by Who Man. And they all took turns being who is the head, but they all had different weaknesses. <laughs> nice. One of them could only speak gnomish. So <laughs> it was nice. always really obvious. And like everyone, everyone knew, except this one guy who failed the perception check really badly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice. I actually had a relevant question before I got distracted by crabs, and by crabs I mean gnomes, in trench coats. What the hell was it? I don't know. I can't remember. Was it about Assassin's Creed 4? No, it was not about Assassin's Creed. So anyway, it's definitely got a pacing issue. At some point between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3, jury's out on when Nomura forgot how to write a second act. Because Act 1, the Disney Worlds, I literally finished them with a playtime of 24 hours and 3 minutes. The second act's about two hours, and then you go into the climax, which is, you know, like 10-ish. But it's like, hey, maybe anything should have happened between Hercules and Big Hero 6. Uh, Which I think is why the middle kind of drags. And I think that the Frozen world feels a lot worse, because it's kind of dead in the center there. And it's definitely the worst world, even on its own merits. But after that's the Pirates one, where you at least get to play Assassin's Creed 4 for a while. (laughs) And then the Big Hero 6 one, which is kind of structured like an open-world superhero game a little bit. So again, it feels different. Whereas Arendelle is just, you're climbing a mountain. Oh no, you got thrown to the bottom. Now you gotta Uh, do that a couple times. Scene is making some weirdly relevant points about how Frozen is about how men don't have to rescue women. So Sora doesn't have anything to do here. Why is this flashback that we're explaining the story of Frozen and have, do you want to build a snowman playing over it? <laughs> it makes it hard to listen to the exposition if somehow you haven't seen Frozen. I feel like I ran into someone who has not seen Frozen despite seen, having seen like basically every other Disney movie. Yo. Have you seen Tangled? Uh, no, I haven't. You would like Tangled. Yeah, Disney Tangled's thing. fun. Yep. I don't think I've seen a Disney movie since... Well, God, when was the last Disney yeah. movie? Did you not hear the part where I said that they saw all the other Disney movies? Yeah, so that was my point. Yeah, there are plenty of people who haven't seen Frozen, but it's weird to meet people who like to watch Disney movies who haven't <laughs> seen Frozen. Yeah, and I feel like I know someone who is in that category where they like Disney movies but have not seen Frozen inexplicably. But anyway, I like Kingdom Hearts 3 pretty well. The story has a lot of good emotional payoffs. It didn't make me cry, and that made me realize I'm not depressed right now. So that's not a victory, because <laughs> there's a scene that definitely should have made me cry. I was like, oh, they're all eating ice cream. They did it. No one's really sad. It's good. <laughs> I don't think a video game's ever made me cry. 
I don't think a video game ever has either, but it was that sort of emotional beat that will do it to me if I am depressed. I don't, Aerith, the first time I was playing that game, definitely made me tear up a has little bit. Has any media ever actually made me cry? I don't think so. Once I was so depressed that while watching Ant-Man, I cried when his little aunt he was writing got shot. And I was like, oh no, this is a problem. You need professional help, Jerry. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was when you knew. I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a really easy pushover, especially if I'm drunk on basically anything. You should watch Anohana, the, the depressing story about how a childhood death five friends forever, and none of them will ever really recover from the psychological trauma. It's fine. At the end, is of that Kingdom- the one where the kid comes, uh, the ghost of their friend comes back? Yeah, except maybe she's not really a ghost, except she is, and then everyone's and one guy's a crossdresser now because of it. Yes, I like that one a lot. Okay. That that is the one I was thinking of when you mentioned that. Then I can I've I've seen a bunch of like clips of that one, but I can never remember what the thing's called. Yeah, it's horribly depressing. I watch it with Dan while extremely wine drunk. Yeah, I don't get depressed. Same. Sounds good. I, hey, hey Zach, you, th- th- what I said. Had you want to know what anxiety's with- like? It's <laughs> Bernadette and Fire Emblem. That's every moment of my goddamn life, and it's awful. It's not adorable. It's awful. <laughs> Bernie is adorable. I mean, it's adorable from the outside. I hope. <laughs> Well, the way it's portrayed in Fire Emblem, she is adorable, but I would definitely understand having to live like that would suck. Now, let, let's go back a sec, because I did not say I was depressed when I was watching Anohana. I did cry like a bruised-kneed child. See, I always think crying at media has to do more with my state than the media. And, like, playing Kingdom Hearts 3, there was a catharsis moment, which is, like, the happiest I've ever been for some fictional characters, because they just got to eat ice cream, and then their other friends, who were only kind of knew them, also showed up to eat ice cream, and they're like, hey, same ice cream. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. <laughs> Uh, the free game on PlayStation Plus was Sniper Elite 4, so I was actually playing a bunch of that. That's a fun game. What is that? It's a, it's a game where you're playing in World War II as a sniper, So and there's a lot of little things. Like, I've been playing on the second highest difficulty, so I've got realistic bullet ballistics. So if you and if you make the right shot, it'll go into like a, an X-ray and show you what damage oh, your shot did. Oh yeah, no. So this is the I... game where you can shoot Hitler in the testicles. Yeah, yes. yeah. I remember seeing uh like snippets of this game forever ago. It's actually pretty fun, and especially since I got it for free. Like, that really helped. That's legit. Actually, quick plug, because everyone hates the Epic Games launcher for reasons I don't understand. They give away free games every month. Some of them are really good. No, we do not hate Epic's game. We do not hate the Epic Game Store. We hate Epic's game. Don't uh, think about it too Zach much. Zach is Fortnite? Legion now, and I don't understand it. <laughs> no, I... Like, I, I was actually just trying to think of what games Epic has made recently, and I'm like, Fortnite? Fortnite Gears of War. Jazz Jackrabbit. Um, yep, Jazz Jackrabbit, um, that was on there. Borderlands. No, that's Gearbox. Yep, that's um, Gearbox. It's not that I hate the Epic Games Store. I hate what they're doing. What are they doing? They're basically strong-arming indie developers into being exclusive to the Epic Game Store. That's what they're doing. Steam did that a lot, too. Yeah. So, not to the same extent. So, yeah, they did. You just didn't care about it because it was like a decade ago. And also, they were the only game in town. Yeah. And the Epic Games launcher is still shit. And it shouldn't be. I don't have any problems with it. I use it occasionally to launch all the free shit I get from them. Woo! Yeah. So anyway, now that I am like every other Kingdom Hearts fan, and I have to wait until 2083 for Kingdom Hearts <laughs> back on their b- to come out, so I can figure <laughs> out what's going on with the secret ending, um, I need to fill that void in my life. So I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. How's, how's that going? Zach really liked it. Yeah, I don't like it as much as a lot of people. It's definitely pretty good. 
at its core, I think its gameplay loop is kind of not where it needs to be because the way it's structured is you spend a month at the monastery kind of teaching your students and then you have one mission. And especially early in the game, those missions are super early Fire Emblem missions where you just kind of walk towards your enemy and they (laughs) die on you. And I feel like you just like the balance is off. You're just spending so long in the monastery. And I feel like I had everybody in their penultimate classes at like mission four. I mean, I can understand why you'd feel like that. It's also a little bit shorter than most other Fire Emblems. I think it totals out at like 20-something missions. Yeah, it's about half the length, which actually, like gameplay-wise, it's longer than most. Because for those missions, you're spending so much of that time in the monastery teaching. And I just feel like comparing it to Persona, I think it's obviously very Persona-inspired. But Persona just does it so much better because when you go to do the RPG part of Persona, that's a huge stretch of it. How far are you? I became a Super Saiyan God. Okay. And then I got through the time skip. <laughs> so you did you, you got through the time skip. Yeah, I which did. side did you go with? I'm I'm with Edelgard. Which felt also I also have story problems with it, which I didn't want to start with because they're the most minor problems. I do feel like the game is like when it gives you the choice, hey, do you want to go with Edelgard or the church? I'm like, neither, because neither has presented any good argument. And then it's I, I guess Edelgard because she's hot. And she's like, oh, don't worry, the church are alien dragons that we need to destroy because they're controlling humanity because this is a JRPG. (laughs) I'm like, oh, of course they are, Edelgard. Thanks. Really, I just chose you because I really want to get you my Daenerys Targaryen XP with my Hermione Granger XP, and I think there's a connection there. I think I can get a lesbian ending between you guys. How um, (laughs) How many characters did you recruit? I recruited all of the girls, Ash and Felix. When I did it the first time, I think I only recruited a couple of people because a bunch of them had magic requirements and I wasn't leveling up magic and it's really difficult to do that. Yeah, I that's another problem I have is there's a lot of information problems with the game in that a lot of the menus are kind of a mess and that it's hard to tell where the information you want is displayed and it doesn't tell you what the requirements for master classes are until right before you get them. So you suddenly realize, oh, I needed to level up the lance skill of all my magic users. Yeah. Of course. Why didn't I do that? I guess now I'm on everyone's penultimate class, but it's going to be a goddamn year before I can teach my little Hermione Granger girl how to lance good enough for her to so, become uh, a more advanced class. A hint to anybody playing this game. If you're not sure what to do with the character, teach them riding in lances because four, at least four classes require riding and or lances. That's the other thing is the master classes for the most part aren't that good. Like they give you mounts, which are super, super powerful. And so like Wyvern Lord is the best and you should make everybody it. And Bow Knight is straight up broken. But a lot of them are just like worse than the master or the previous the, classes. The Gremory is actually pretty good because it doubles up all of your magic. The problem. Yeah. Well, uses, but I don't have problem with uses and it doesn't get any of the fair skills. So it's like doesn't do as much damage. And then like. The sword class, which is a sword magic class, what the f***, gives you a negative 10 speed growth, what the f***, like, yeah, you know what, I want a sword user and a magic user for them to be slow, obviously. I was actually thinking that I would have liked to see some of those additional classes from, like, Awakening make yeah. appearances there, like the axe and white, like, the I axe really wanted and the staff. wyvern magic user, I really wanted. That would have uh. been nice, but... It seemed, it always felt weirdly limited to me for when I was playing. The the master classes are limited in a way that I didn't super care for. Yeah, and also like because everyone can use everything and there's no weapon triangle, I almost feel like it doesn't matter what class anybody is to a weird degree. 
They just give everybody the cool gauntlets and they attack four times and murder everything. Like, I should have played it on hard. I played it on normal. I should have played it on hard. The game feels so easy for me. I just wander my mages right into danger and they lull and destroy things with their little magic wands. I I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, easy was actually... um... Like, they, they ratcheted all the difficulties down by one. It does feel that because way. Because on normal difficulty, there are actually available, like, farming missions that you can do. That's true. Uh, I, that- I haven't done those at all because I'm, like, kind of against that in a Fire Emblem. But, yeah, on normal, there's unlimited grinding. And on harder difficulties, you have chances to do optional battles. But they're always, you can do one or two. And that costs you your turn at the uh, monastery. I was doing some of them in order to raise support levels by and large. That's what I was doing with them. I know. Just invite everybody to dinner like 10 times and then watch them uh, finally be friends. That's what I've been doing. And then Dorothea will flirt with all the girls and just tell all the men she needs to find a nice nobleman to settle down with. Uh, That's not inaccurate. So if I were to pick up a random Fire Emblem these days. So my ranking for Fire Emblems is Awakening is number one with a bullet, which is weird because Awakening kind of does all the things I don't like in Fire Emblem games and yet Still is my favorite. Number two would be Path of Radiance, which is pretty difficult to pick up. Because um, it's not really available. Number three would be the one we played for the podcast. The first Blazing one to come Blade, out in English. Right, and okay. number four would be Three Houses. Okay. I uh, mean, it's still really good. I think good. number five would be uh, Fate's Conquest, and I haven't played that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still quite a good game. I do understand everything Jeremy is saying, like, and he's not wrong about any of it. Despite saying that, I'm like 40 hours in. But like... I feel like the gameplay loop is off. There's a lot of me feeling like I'm playing out of obligation. I like all the characters fairly well, but I don't love any of them. And like I said, every choice I've had to make feels like it gives me no information uh, from like, which has been two choices. But still. I don't. Did you run into the same problem I did when talking to Edelgard at one point where it's like you can go with me to the uh, to the coronation, basically? Like go go with me back to my home country, and your options are not. I'll be right back, you know, go do the rest of your stuff there. Yeah, they are. It is literally you have to choose right then. It will have an impact on the story. Yeah, I also did run into that. So I actually reloaded my save before that so I could go do all of my monastery stuff before I did that. (laughs) I think I'd done it all because I think I was in the habit of just talking to everybody after I did. I was talking to everybody first. Gotcha. So then I went and talked to her and I was like, oh, great. This happened. I needed, and I lost all of my actions, and I still had like all of them. Yeah, you had to invite everybody to dinner and go to choir practice and all those fire emblem things. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, it's what you can do is invite people to dinner, which lets which ups their motivation, which lets you train them. It also um, unlocks the chariot persona. Not quite. I mean, it depends on who you're talking to. It does um, very specifically. Some of them are tyrant. Then. Um, you can go into tournaments, which gives you money, which you don't really need, but it also raises um, your professor level, which lets you do more stuff. Yeah. You can get other people to train you, which is the only, which is one of the only ways to raise your skills. And then you can cook. And you can invite people to tea. And you can invite and, which people Which is a to weird tea. dating game. Which, <laughs> it is people. interesting. And you have to select support out of like a menu. Which you always have to do. It just feels more awkward here. Because it's a pause menu you have to bring up. It took me a while before I, re- I I ended up my first playthrough. There was one character I couldn't actually raise my support with because by the time I acquired them, um, I basically lost the opportunity in order to do the support. So very randomly, I am a level 15 professor in the Harry Potter ARG. What? I mean, what? 
<laughs> there, there are three character classes you can choose. So all in all, like it's a fine game. Uh, I am playing a ton of it, but it just kind of bugs me. I wish there was more battle, less running around a monastery talking to people. And the progression just doesn't really work for me because I feel like I got everybody near the top really quickly and then it just slowed to a complete halt. And also, it just doesn't feel fun to unlock new classes because they're already super murder machines that can (laughs) defeat entire armies blindfolded. I wonder how the effect is uh, on boosting it up to hard. And I wonder if that would change anything. I think it would be better. But like Edelgard has like a 60% crit rate and is frequently doing damage. That makes me go, that's a Final Fantasy damage number, not a Fire Emblem damage number. Uh, Edelgard was actually surprisingly weak for me later on just because her boosted class being an armored class is so slow. I just put her on a dragon. Because oh, yeah, I had the, work. it's like I could, you can use your her unique class, a slow armored brute, or you can put her on a f- dragon, and she's the nearest Targaryen, and can throw axes at people from fourteen squares away, and then move again. <laughs> By the time I got there, I didn't have her trained enough in order to use flying or anything like that, so I wasn't planning ahead. Although I did have, I had Bernadetta and Leonia were both bow knights, which is broken. What what is a bow knight? Uh, it's a bow user on a horse that gets an ability called bow range plus two, which does what you think. And then also they can take from sniper bow range plus one and they can move 14 squares, shoot someone from five squares away and then use the rest of their movement. <laughs> and they uh... so they're the Mongols is yeah, what I'm yes. hearing. There's a, an available dismount, which I did use a couple of times because there are a couple of terrain types that horses uh, are bad on. Yeah, Stairs, they, they, it really example. slows them down. Stairs, wasteland, and sand they're really bad on. So I usually will have my people dismount when going through those. Fair. I, know, I don't think I ever did it with my flying knights because of obvious reasons. Because they're, they're flying. Yeah, that's the problem is just make everyone a wyvern lord or, and a bow knight and throw axes and bows at people from a million squares <laughs> I away. I uh... Doing like 300 damage per shot when people have 40 HP. <laughs> <laughs> on, on one level, I actually ended up with a... Uh, or my Falcon Knight, which was Ingrid, was running around and actually was one v oneing one of the big one of the big creatures with multiple health bars. Yeah, there was definitely an early mission where like, oh, there are three Falcon Knights over here. They're not that strong. I'll send Edelgard, and they're like, Falcon Knights are broken in this game, bro. We're doing forty damage a turn. I'm like, what happened? What happened? Then I had to use the broken turn back time. I can only do that twelve times per mission, though, so it's not. That. They give you too many. They, they give you way too many of those, in my personal opinion. Like I like the effect. You know, instead of having to turn the game off and back on or reset, which is what you do in a lot of the other ones, you can just turn back time a couple of turns in order to try again. But they give you too many of them to make it too easy. Yeah, I will. Like I said, part of the reason I'll just wander my little mage girls up front is because, like, worst case scenario, I have to turn back time. But usually it's fine. What did you think of the multiple health bar enemies that come into the game? Eh, they're fine. I don't find them, like, they are more challenging because they have more HP and you can't... Edelgard doing 300 damage doesn't kill them because they get 60 more HP after that. But they just kind of slow you down. I don't think they're that interesting. Like, you have to use a battalion on them to draw aggro is kind of interesting. And gives a use for battalions because I like never feel like I need to use them. I always forgot I had people equipped with them. Yeah. Did you do the level in which it was Leone's Leone and uh, Lee the lazy no, dude whose name I, I, I have it right now? I have not done it yet. Okay. I'm because done. a Leone I have, but haven't really leveled her up. And same with Weinhardt. Okay. She was one of my main uh, characters, and I'm just I'm curious if you do that one to know what your opinion is on that. Did you do um, the super shy girl who thinks she's 
doesn't have a right to exist mission where she is off alone in a corner surrounded by those beasts that have multiple HP bars. And you're like, fly, Edelgard, fly to the oh, rescue. The, uh, the blue haired girl, Marianne. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did that one on my second playthrough because I didn't get her in my first one. I, I had her running away. The rest of my people were like, okay, we're going to move up and just face melt anything we run into. And that's exactly what was happening. All right. So all that said, we played Toki Tori this week, which is a time bird puzzle game. Kind of boring. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like Fire Emblem in that there is strategy. And you can turn back time. Yeah, yeah. also that. And there's flying, sort of. No, there's falling. It's what very is slowly. flying except falling in the right direction? Uh, well, no, flying is just falling and forgetting that you need to hit the ground. I think no. more coyotes are involved with flying. No, that's the, in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's how Arthur uh, learns how to fly, is he falls and forgets he's supposed to hit the ground. I think I'm the odd man out and that I actually quite liked Toki Tori. It's not like my favorite game. But I like this style of puzzle game where you have a very limited number of resources no, and no. have to like figure out how to apply them. I actually liked it fairly well. My problem is it was really not what I was in the mood for when we were playing this, so I kind of bounce off of it pretty quickly. Same. Um, um, mainly because I found out like basically a couple of days ago that I was going to be joining this podcast. So I was like, all right, well, I have some time to play, but I have like a hundred skeletons to paint so that's gonna take some time like if you remember i loved solomon's key i found this game boring like i played through the first world here and then was just like i don't really care but puzzle games have never been my thing so most of the puzzles i was able to look at and go okay i know how to solve this and it wasn't really like at that point it's an execution challenge yeah and it just wasn't fun yeah it definitely lays them on easy at first the first entire world is basically just tutorial. There's no real head scratching. You play as a chicken who needs to find all of their eggs, but in their way are various enemies and obstacles, so you have items. The chicken can't do anything on its own, so you have items like bridges you can place to go over ground, ice bazookas that freeze enemies and turn them into platforms, but also they're kind of one high so they can be in your way. You get a teleport pretty early on. Uh, In the second level, there are a lot based on this pit trap that when enemies go over it, they will fall through and create a hole in the ground. So a lot of it is figuring out where to put that to both get rid of enemies and create paths for yourself. One thing that's important to note is you can't jump in this. Yeah, you have, like, you're a useless chicken. All you can do is use your items. You can also dash. That's sometimes useful. I guess, like, for timing enemies. Yeah. So basically, it's all logic puzzles. You have to look at your inventory of items and figure out how to get to the eggs. A lot of times, order of operations is important. One trick they like a lot is to just put one egg in a like bottom of a pit or something, so that has to be the last one you get. Although later on, they will try to fool you with that and make a non-obvious one the one you need last. Yeah, I noticed that on a couple of the early puzzles was obviously there was the one where it's like, ah, it's in the bottom of the pit, that's the last one. But there was some where it's like, oh, the one actually basically right next to you at the start is actually the last one. You need to go in like a circle to get up there. Because if you go get that one first, you won't be able to go, like, the circle only goes one way. But because it's a game with limited resources, one of the things they give you, um, no- normally what happens in these games is if you accidentally do stuff in the wrong order. You, you had to ha- restart. Yeah, you had to restart the entire thing. Uh, the nice thing that this game does is it lets you wind back time so you can undo the thing you did that screwed yourself over. Yeah. Otherwise, this game would, I think, be pretty frustrating. But because of that, you can stare at it and you can, like, try two or three things. Before you figure out, oh, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. But like it helps in getting that aha moment because you can see the puzzle 
and a bunch of different configurations. Yeah, the fast iteration loop helps. That's uh, one of the things I've been really enjoying about Celeste recently is that a lot of the B-side ones are more, pu- like, they're puzzles and execution challenges, but, like, you have to figure out what the heck you're actually supposed to do. And I feel like the tight iteration loop on puzzles is an excellent, excellent thing, and more games should do more of that. Not to go back to Fire Emblem, but it's one of my problems with it is I feel like there's such a long loop between fights. I don't know that we really have anything else to say about it. It's a pretty simple game. It came out for Game Boy Color, and it's a puzzle game. Like I said, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I don't know if I'm going to go back to it because it wasn't a huge brain teaser. But like, it's my favorite puzzle game I think we played for the podcast, not counting Tetris because Tetris is a Tetris is a puzzle in air quotes game. It's also really cute. The, the art is well done. It's I mean, enjoyable. You, the music's nice. If you like puzzle games, it's definitely one to check out. But, I'd uh, say this is actually a great game to have been on the Game Boy Advance because I could see myself like doing two to five of these and being like, okay, I'm going to go do something else now, but uh, it's portable. So well, yeah, it does seem like I've got it on the Switch and it seems like a really good Switch game to be like, I've got like 15 minutes to kill. Let me see if I can go through a puzzle or two. Yeah, like you don't want to necessarily do something any denser than that. So. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I could just, you know, do a couple puzzles and then they have normal mode, hard mode and then bonus stages for every world and like in order to unlock hard mode you have to beat the world and the bonus stages are just like completely different levels that are yep like way harder oh yeah, there the, also they, is a um you get a one-time skip a level thing if you get stuck on something and then in order to regenerate your skip a level thing you have to beat the level that you skipped which is also a mechanic i really like i'm glad you brought that up because i forgot about that but that's a really cool for if like just one puzzle for whatever reason like, won't click for you. You're not stuck on it forever. Yeah. But if two puzzles do it, then you've got to solve one of them. Yeah. But even then, at least you have an option between these two different difficult puzzles for you. Does that regenerate between worlds? No, it regenerates when you go back and do the level you skipped. Okay. So, no. Regardless of how many it's how been many, Yeah, since how many it's been since. Yep. Gotcha. That just kind of reminded me of uh, when I initially was playing Baton Kaitos on the GameCube. I got stuck on this one boss fight and so set it down. And then uh, someone came over to my house, uh, and we were talking about the games I had. I was like, hey, I've got this Bait and Kaitos game. I was stuck on this really hard boss fight. Let me show you. The game's really cool. And then I beat the boss. I'm like, it's been like a year since I played this. <laughs> and it's not like I you know, went back and did a bunch of stuff like, oh, I was just you literally just, like, I just started playing and- better. So I was like, I don't know if I just got luckier or what Maybe happened. You just there. made less stupid decisions somehow. Maybe, yeah. or- Anything else to say about Tokitori? Nah. Yeah. All right, so we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played from best to eh. The best game is Chrono Trigger. It's engaging and exciting and has good, good character designs. At the bottom is City Connection. Eh. (laughs) Dead in the center is Kirby's Dreamland, which is not too bad. Yeah, it's eh. Just a few below that is Solomon's Key, which I think is definitely the most comparable game, but I definitely think Toki Tori is better. I I would agree. Yep. Pretty, pretty unanimous there. Almost simultaneously unanimous. So I'm scrolling up, seeing if anything jumps out to me as Punch puzzly. Out. Punch Out might not be a bad pick, because we talked about how the levels are kind of constructed in a puzzly way. Yeah, well, um, I, I chose that not facetiously. It is actually a puzzle game, in my opinion. That you can play blindfolded. Yep. Do I think Punch Out's better than Tokitori? I don't think so. I think Tokitori's actually a bit better than Punch Out. It's got more going on, for sure. Um, I like Punch Out a lot, but... You can't play Tokitori blindfolded. Well, I mean, I guess you could. You could, I think, if you memorize all the levels well enough. So another puzzle-like game, or at least the game is very much like a puzzle. We have Resident Evil. Huh. 
I mm. think I prefer Resident Evil, honestly. There's a, I think there's a lot wrong with Resident Evil, but I think Tokitori actually might be a little bit better designed. So that, that's, that's up to you, Jeremy. Or Kevin, I guess. Oh, if you it sounds like you both. You sound like you both. Oh, did Zach say Tokitori is a little better? Yep. Yes. I also think Tokitori ends up being a little better at the end of the day. Just tighter design. Resident Evil's got a lot of small problems. That is true. They do compile. Compound, I suppose. I don't know that I think it goes a, a hell of a lot higher than Resident Evil. I don't either. I'm just looking for something that I think is genuinely comparable. So Tetris is at number nice. It's definitely not as good as Tetris, right? No, nah. it's not. Planescape Torment. Kevin was here for that. It's probably not as good as Planescape Torment. It doesn't have the... Nearly the meat to Although it. Although you do yeah. have to do considerable battle with uh, the Planescape Torment text boxes. They, they are doors Dangerous. in their own right. <laughs> Dead center between Resident Evil and Planescape Torment, we have Metroid Zero Mission. I might like it more than Zero Mission. Is that, was that the Game Boy one? This is a GBA one. It's that a remake, remake of, the of the original, kind of. Okay. I think I like Toki Tori That people more? really, really like, but not me and Tyler, so. Yeah, and I, well, it sounds I'm, like I'm already outvoted. I'm a big Metroid fan, and I just didn't care for that game a huge amount, so. Directly above Metroid is Kingdom Hearts, and I'm a Kingdom Hearts boy now, so I'm going to have to make the <laughs> argument for Kingdom Hearts, uh, which definitely has more meat on it, I think is a more engaging game. I was going to say it has a story to tell, but I don't know if that's comparable to Tokitori at all. Tokitori would not be better if it had a story, um, is I guess what I'm trying to say there. <laughs> no, I want to know that epic plot line of Tokitori. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is an act of frustration and kind of terrible. I'd rather play Tokitori. Don't know that I would say it's kind of terrible. I'd say it's kind of eh. It's definitely a mess. Like, I love Kingdom Hearts. It's a mess. I mean, I'd have to give it to Kingdom Hearts 2, honestly. But that's Kingdom Hearts, not Kingdom Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts also as well 3. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2 is a world beater. Um, It is. Yeah, we'll I, I really that. like Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, it's. I've played them all now. Kingdom Hearts 2 is the reason anyone cares. So Tokitori goes at number 91, below Kingdom Hearts and above Metroid Zero Mission. Zach, what are we going to care about next week? So I was looking at a bunch of different things, and I came across a bundle on Steam that contains a couple of Call of Duty games, and I realized that it has Call of Duty 1 in there. The very original? And I want to eventually look at Call of Duty 4, because that game is amazing. And they recently re-released it, right? A couple years ago now. Oh, well. Which, that's depressing. But... I think we're going to go back and look at the first one. So we're going to play Call of Duty 1. So next time on Last Time, the fishing minigame in this game isn't very good. Oh, hey, Kevin. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, Hi. People should listen to uh, Jumpstart Weekly, our other podcast. We talk about manga. We just had an episode where Tyler and Zach were on, and that was pretty fun. Yeah, I thought it was a fun episode. I think I made at least one good joke. You should listen to it. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Yeah, I was going to say, you need to let Zach do the thing.